I don't remember. Were you in philosophy 101 with me? It was. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's our intro. Uh, we were in philosophy 101 together. <laughs> Welcome to Cracks in the Foundation with Tallulah Rose. Let me press record and see what happens. Do you hear that? Yeah. Oh, it was like recording in progress. (laughs) It was very cool. And it's recording right now? This is my late night DJ radio voice. Testing, <laughs> testing. One, two, three. Testing, testing. It's you and me. <laughs> okay. Cruise so, my brain. Tolly over here wrote a phenomenal post today. And she was, she woke up this morning and she decided, what did you decide, Tolly? So one of the things that came up for me was this concept of duality and being perceived. I think they kind of go hand in hand. I don't know if you have that experience too, but a lot of it I noticed was like, I get to choose if I want to be perceived or not, because I think we live at least right now in a society where constant perception is kind of the normal instead of choosing when and when not to be perceived. Yeah. I totally hear that. I think what comes up for me when you say that is unless we actually take the time to pause and inquire within, what is the conditioning is that our perception of ourselves is very much based on the external world and what has been projected onto us. So I love what you mentioned to me earlier before we got on this recording you're talking about you wake up in the morning and you ask yourself, do I want to be perceived today? And using that as a prompt to guide the way you create or consume in the world. It, it's a moment of choice. It feels like a moment of choosing to be sovereign. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I, yeah, when we're talking about binary thinking and duality, I think it comes into play here because a lot of what we're taught is that we constantly have to choose one or the other for most things. And I think that comes into play a lot with this idea of like niching down or finding your your path and choosing what you wanna do instead of just saying like, no, I get to be in a constant state of flow and decide like the whole thing is my path, not just this one choice, (laughs) this one focus. You don't have to focus on one thing. that's always been present in my life because yeah, I have too many interests. (laughs) Yeah. It it almost feels like an act of rebellion to consistently choose fluidity in so many assets of our life. Mm -hmm. This um, concept of duality actually came up. I don't remember. Were you in philosophy 101 with me? It was. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's our intro. Uh, We were in philosophy 101 together. (laughs) Okay, go on. But I realized the other day, I found my thesis and it was literally about duality. And I realized that like, there's always one topic that just kind of stays with you for the rest of your life. And mine has always been this rebellion against duality and 
in philosophy and like when a lot of things actually when we think about topics we always have one or the other like we always have love and hate life and death birth rebirth or and we never stray from that we don't really see this thing in the middle and there's actually been studies done which i find really interesting that people that are on the opposing ends of topics usually can understand each other better than people that are in the middle like with sexuality there's always this like constant um biphobia because a lot of people that are bisexual get told like pick a side and i always found that so it's funny because it just plays into this whole thing of this duality and like you have to choose polar opposites and there's no middle ground. So the power of and came up for me this morning and deciding like I can be this and also everything else. I don't have to choose these things that people try to put us in boxes for. Yeah. Why do you think people are afraid of fluidity? Or also, what do you think about that language? Do you think it's a fear? Like, I think why it's, are people on one side or the other? Yeah, I think it's fear. I think it's also being taught that we are meant to organize everything into these little neat boxes. Like, you have to identify your sexuality. You can't just be. You have to identify your gender. You have to identify your personality. Like everyone that is obsessed with Myers-Briggs, like if you don't know, then something's wrong with you because you have to keep organizing. And I think it's this human trait of constantly trying to make order in the world instead of just being free. And I think picking a major or discovering right brain versus left brain, like everyone wants to connect. And I think today that's kind of this, we've gotten into these micro connections that keep getting more and more narrow-minded and we don't allow for expression and fluidity because we're trying to connect to a tribe that just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear that. I think the human brain is always trying to make connections. Mm -hmm. um, and especially if we're not conscious of the connections that we're intending to make and wanting to do it from a space of a positive intention or connecting with one another in a compassionate way. What can happen is our own fears and the things we're uncomfortable with then become projections onto other people. And we're, like you said, we're always trying to create order in areas that don't make sense to us. Mm -hmm. Chaos in the brain can feel really, can be, it, it can feel like friction. It can feel not good. Something I've been thinking about a lot is the word weird. And if you look in the dictionary, the definition is uncanny or supernatural. And I think things that don't make sense to us at first because we can't put it in a box, the brain thinks it's weird. We don't understand it. And I think there can be a stigma against weird. Like, oh, like I'm afraid to show up in this way because someone might think I'm weird. But <laughs> it's like a reclamation of weird. Be more weird. It's supernatural. <laughs> it's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why we can't just accept that like living through our dreams can be 
fun. <laughs> like they don't have to be written off. And like we live so much in the fictional realm, so why can't dreams also live in our natural life? Like we diminish things that don't make sense because even though we were never ma- meant to make sense of things in the first place. And yeah, I, I like what you say about weird. I, but what, I, I guess your opinion, what would you even classify as normal? Or is there a difference? Is there an opposite to weird? Or is weird no. living outside of itself? Wow. <laughs> is weird <laughs> living outside of itself? I want to say yes. I don't know if I even fully understand that, but it feels like a <laughs> a yes in my body (laughs) um that's interesting like what is normal i think that that seems very of the time to me uh Mm -hmm. 2021 may uh we've been in this pandemic for over a year now we're still very much here (laughs) and there's been this whole wave of the new normal things will never go back to normal or the way things were And thank goodness, don't let them go back. Things are always changing. I don't know that that's an answer to your question, but I think the more I think about it, the more I'm, I I feel deep in this knowing that normal doesn't really exist. It's Mm -hmm. a construct, it's a projection, it's a standard, it's an expectation of society. It's the brain wanting so desperately to create order in an existence of chaos. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of of weird. It's binary. (laughs) So you do think that there is an opposite. I guess what I meant by like weird living outside of itself in the topic of duality, I don't know if you, it's more of just like living on its own over here because I don't think normal exists. And I would urge anyone that has been told that's just the way it is. I have been told that a lot. <laughs> like when I ask a question, they're like, oh, that's just what happens. That's that's the way things are. I would really rebel against that idea because there is no way things are. Like we can't even, we don't even have an understanding of why we yawn or why we dream. So how can we identify what is the way things are supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't yeah. you have coffee at 4 p.m.? I don't know <laughs> what you're having in oh, the morning. You, you want to get into biorhythms with me right now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I always want to get into biorhythms. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. That's so fascinating. Okay, what a question that's coming to mind right now as I'm pouring this coffee into this mug <laughs> is, do you think there's a certain kind of person or a certain group of people who very much exist inside this realm of normal or seeing things in a certain way, seeing and moving through the world in this construct? Do you think there's like a certain group of people who identify with that? Hmm. I would say yes, um, but I can't name them. I would just say it's people that aren't ready to see things is the easiest explanation I have. Um, I mean, we're all, we all think in binary terms with at least one topic. Like I could sit here and I, I mean, nothing comes to mind right now, but I'm sure there's something in me that's like, no, it's black or white. It's this or that. There's no gray area to anything. So I think, yeah, everyone has 
those moments. Um, but I think the people who experience it the most kind of live outside of themselves and are only in the flow of consumption rather than creation of their inner self, which that could get into a whole topic of realities. <laughs> oh, I'm- yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I even kind of just noticed as I was asking that question, I was like, wow, that was a very me putting someone in a box question, (laughs) which I think is fascinating. It's hard not to. Yeah. yeah, So I love what you just said. I think like that exists inside of all of us. And it's this moment of choice. It's this moment of, oh, am I going to interface through that perception or through that way of thinking, or am I going to choose something different? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, I mean, I talk about it a lot, but I think that comes down to the different realities we all live in. I drew a diagram the other day to kind of identify that in myself. So tell me about this diagram. You, yeah. <laughs> so there's the inner realm, which is the self. So that is our soul, that is our inner narrative, that I cannot step out of myself and into yourself. You cannot step out of yours and into mine. So it's a reality that exists <laughs> in this little bubble. And that's like you. And then there's the collective reality, which is where science, language, systems, that's where all of that lives. Um, and that's this group think of these are our rules and roles that we all assign and kind of identify and adhere to just automatically. We don't really even think about it. It's kind of subconscious. And then from there stems that fictional realm of all of these stories that everyone's creating, all of these like Harry Potter stories, Lord of the Rings, because we can't exist without them. Like I live my day and I know if you're in the Slytherin house, you're probably an asshole. (laughs) So, but it's fictional. So, how it incorporates into your life, it still makes you feel something. And so, there's this inner to collective to fictional. And I think it all connects through this bridge of art. And we create these, this art to kind of understand these realms within the other. But I think the people, going back to what you said, that live in this consumption and finite reality are living in the collective rather than sitting in their inner realm. They don't really touch that as much. And I think that's like the society right now is living more in the collective and fictional rather than inner. And then there's the spirit Mm. reality, but that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) Well, what I hear you saying is that within the inner realm, it's I'm what's coming into my brain is like making neural connections. So Mm -hmm. it's bridging the gap between different realities and someone who is not living from that inner realm is choosing not to even see the bridges. They don't even, they don't even know they exist because they're choosing not to see them. They're choosing not to give them the time of day. Right. Like if we got into it and I could hold up a color and we would both agree it's purple that is the collective reality that's i see orange you might see a completely different color like people that are colorblind they have a completely different collective reality and they have a different experience than us so there is no one true collective reality and i think we are kind of 
seduced into believing that all of these things are true because they're in the collective. I know that's really heavy. <laughs> I think what you're saying makes sense. What's coming into my brain right now is I don't remember how old I was when I first had this, I'll call it a vision. Mm-hmm. I I was really young and I want to know if you shared a similar vision. I don't know if it was a dream or, okay. So what happened was basically I had this idea. It was this vision. It just came in and like flooded my whole awareness where I was like, oh, what if we're all just sitting in this room, this really big room sitting on these chairs with like this, these like simulation masks on. And we're all literally just sitting in these rooms and like watching the simulation of our lives. And we're all literally having our own experiences. But I remember being very young and having this vision and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm curious, I've talked to other people who have like thought of similar things. And I just think that's really fascinating. I don't remember if there was something that triggered that for me or that came from, but I remember being pretty young and having that. I'm curious if you've had anything similar. <laughs> Mine wasn't as sci-fi as it was just... <laughs> biblical I guess you could call it I had this very clear distinction like I walked into my house one day and I was like oh this is hell Whoa! (laughs) I would draw it out and this was before Westworld happened I don't know if you've seen it but it's similar I would draw out this maze and I was like oh we're in the center of the maze and we relive certain experiences to learn and once we learn them we have to go back in the maze and pull other people out. And we just keep going through the maze all through life. And that's what hell is. (laughs) And not in the sense of like, you're going to burn for eternity, but like hell is we chose this to have experiences and learn as much as possible and Mm -hmm. bring others through the maze with us each time. Um, Like you might have a similar experience, but for me, I always had, the same thing happened in relationships every single time. Um, Not just love, but like friendships as well. And I would always struggle with setting boundaries with that. And I noticed that it would keep coming up, right? It was very cyclical for me until I got through it and started identifying that in myself. And then I realized that people were coming to me for that, that same thing. And then I was like, oh, I'm here to bring more people out of that. So I have to keep going back in. I don't know if you've had any experiences with that, but that's a similar like viewing rather than experiencing, I think. There are so many layers to what you just said. (laughs) Yes. And again, full body yes. What's coming up for me is I'm thinking about human design. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about life themes. I don't know if it's my fifth line or the fact that I'm a three, five. I'm not remembering exactly why this is, but part of who I am energetically is that I show up in people's lives and I kind of rock their world and then I leave. And I like go (laughs) on my way. That's a five thing. Okay. Uh, (laughs) That's me. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's so fascinating to learn that about myself because when I look back 
And you mentioned relationships. When I look at my own relationships, especially in the area of romantic relationships, I saw that as a theme. Mm -hmm. It would be like this really like, oh, it's hot and heavy. Like this seems like it's like a thing, like we're going deep. Like I got so into it um, and they were so into it. And then all of a sudden, like I just stayed too long and it became incredibly toxic because Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't the thing, it wasn't a line. I showed up in the beginning, in the beginning, it was all good. In the beginning, like, I was supposed to be there to, like, bring something up for me and for them. There was a lesson there. But then I stayed because I, I got mm-hmm. attached to it. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was, like, living in my trauma, you know? <laughs> um, so I think that's, I just, that's what's coming up for me. I can totally relate to that. And see yeah. that as, like, a theme there. Seeing the different lessons that come up. I think we had similar experiences with that kind of thing. Um, I I remember distinctly getting so mad when people liked me because I was like, you're not perceiving me the way I want to be perceived. (laughs) You're putting me on this pedestal that I didn't choose to be on, so I'm going to (laughs) leave. That's kind of a similar, like, yeah, it's very complicated and it's hard to talk about. But that's one of the things that always made me mad was in my mind, and it's hard to even say this now because what's in my mind is so different, language sits outside of you. So you can't really explain the human experience through language, <laughs> like what they're trying to do. There's certain things that like, no matter how many words I use or like how carefully I word it, it is not received in the way it actually feels. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We both might be speaking English, Mm -hmm. but our lexicon is different. And our intention and the energy we put into the words we use can be totally different. Language is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I, I think words are such a big responsibility. Very. But they're also limited in the sense that, like, I could tell you, what it feels like to be in love but it still doesn't hit the same way of actually like experiencing it in yourself yeah and so that's why I would like topics like philosophy and understanding this this idea of duality and understanding human experience like no matter what I say it doesn't relate the way it feels and there's this existence that we all universally feel but we can't express. And I think that's why the bridge of art is so important to these realities. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's that disconnect there. Mm -hmm. What do you feel you are able to express, convey, communicate through art that it sometimes feels harder to do through language? Hmm. I think I like to look at what quote unquote bad art is. And there's this distinction between art in the sense of skill and art in the sense of perception. And though I may be skilled in art and drawing for something, that doesn't mean that I'm creating art. That's a skill. Those are two different things. And to have art, there is an intention that cannot be expressed rationally and I think that's why art is so powerful because it sinks deeper 
into you and can change your whole perception. Language can be art, but I think the way we use language today is kind of moving away from that. Yeah, I love what you just said about the difference between art and a skill. It's making me think about when I went to high school and I took art classes and when I took painting class, when I took drawing class, when I took ceramics class, when I took jewelry making class, we were learning skills. We were learning how to do the thing. And then in senior Mm -hmm. year, I took something called AP art. And it was literally, you show up every day for an hour and a half. And there's kind of like a theme that we had to create something around, but there was no teaching of specific skills. There was no do this, do that. Here's the standard, the expectation. It was like, how does this show up in your life? How does this make you feel? And that, I think that changed my life taking that class because (laughs) that's not what my understanding of school was up until that point. Mm -hmm. It was very much like, oh, depending on how good you are at this skill is how good of an artist you are. And then when I took AP art, I kind of went into it feeling like I'm not a good enough artist to be an AP art, quote unquote. And taking that class was so liberating. It was so empowering. It was like, bam, I'm an artist, yo. And (laughs) I had so much fun just like creating things because it was like, this is how I feel. And I created stuff that I never even knew was inside of me. Yeah, I think we're so quick to dismiss art because it sits outside of the collective reality. It's like the space between the two. And there's something that affects you so much. And I think music lives here too. I think like movies can live here. I think, I don't want to diminish the collective and fictional realities, but I think noticing that in yourself is kind of the key to unlocking that rebellion against duality and Yeah, I'm curious if you have any takeaways for unlocking that bridge (laughs) between the two for someone who is choosing to only sit in the collective. Like, what is something we can take away from this conversation? That is such a good question, Tali. How (laughs) do we unlock? What first comes up for me, just very intuitively, is inquiring within. I think I've said that like four times today to you. (laughs) And that sounds so simple. There's a difference between simple and easy. When things seem simple, there's a tendency to overcomplicate. But keep it simple. Inquire Mm -hmm. within. Recognize first. And then recognize, reverse. So. If you find yourself in a circumstance or a situation where you notice, oh, that's a very binary way of thinking. That's me very much in this collective illusion of duality and interfacing from that space. Recognize it. Send compassion because we all all get there sometimes. It's all good, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then reverse it. Inquire within and ask yourself, where is that coming from? Where am I being invited to meet a part of myself that I haven't fully met or I haven't fully allowed myself to embody or see or consider? And it's Mm -hmm. gonna feel weird. It's gonna feel weird. 
Weirdness is the key. That's the key. Get weird. Weird. It all comes back around. Yes. Weird is your bridge to the supernatural. Inquire mm-hmm. within. Get weird. What's your takeaway, Tali? I, I think what you said is really powerful. I do think it's important to just sit with yourself, even if you just sit outside and you're like, do I actually like nature? Just start asking yourself what you like or dislike and just identifying like, did someone tell me this or do I feel this? Like, are you insecure right now? Are you really confident? What do you see when you look at yourself? Instead of focusing on how others perceive you, focus like, how do I want to be perceived? Because I have so many, I used to think like all the time, like, oh, I have to wear this so that people perceive me in this way. Instead of asking myself like, How does this make me feel? And does this feel like myself? So yeah, so that would be my takeaway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. That was beautiful. I love that is so tangible, that is so practical because anyone can get curious about like, oh, whose voice is that telling me this? Or is this what I believe? Or just sitting out in nature and being like, do I like nature? I'd love to share something that came up for me the other day that is very much kind of on this wavelength. I was putting on makeup, just kind of getting ready in the morning. And I literally sit in my studio all day. Like I don't see anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of just having this reflection around putting on makeup. And I was thinking back to college whenever I would mask my entire face before going out. And it was very much It was very much fueled by this feeling that I needed to wear makeup. I needed it because I wasn't enough as I was and I needed to look a certain way. And I was Mm -hmm. like, is that, that just didn't feel aligned for like why I was putting on makeup the other morning. And I realized what's different now is that I put on makeup, not because I think I need it, but because I know that I want it. I like it. I like this very specific type of makeup I put on my face. And Mm -hmm. it's not a lot. It doesn't matter what it is, how much or how little. Like, it really doesn't matter. It's just, instead of thinking I need it, it's I know that I want it. Hmm. Maybe that is the normal. (laughs) It's just identifying. Maybe normal is just knowing what you want rather than seeking what others tell you should be I would say which is weird (laughs) so normal can be weird and weird can be normal yes that makes sense that's fluid and Mm -hmm. maybe we all have our own version of that in fact I do believe we all have our own version of that and maybe that's why it's a construct collectively because there isn't one we all we we get to choose we get to choose baby (laughs) Yeah, and I think I think that's a good place to just sit with that for a while and like leave it here, maybe come back to that in the future, but yeah. <laughs> it feels good to talk through. <laughs> Late night radio DJ voice testing testing. One, two, three. <laughs> I think this went I'm, well. I do too. I don't think I'm ever going to do ASMR, but I, I think you could do it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's not the first time I've been told that this week. (laughs) That you should do ASMR? Yes. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe in the future. 
Thank you for listening if you got this far, and I will talk to you next time.